Hello, the internet. The following story takes place in the 26th century, seven or eight hundred years after the events of the short story Malachi's Gambit in my first short story anthology, and about 1300 years before the events of The Final Fall of Man. It is centered around a Blaren thief and escape artist who would one day become a criminal folk hero named Grendel's Grief. Part 14. The ships were called Silent Destroyers among Grief's associates because they were the warships the Molren sent into places they'd agreed not to send warships. Most of them pulled duty as transports, observation platforms, or, as in the case of the one in high orbit over Azimandus, science and research vessels. They were still capable of folding open and bringing several thousand tons of high-energy communications equipment to bear on any situation where communications equipment capable of hammering the crust off a planet at half an astronomical unit was deemed necessary, just for example. The fleet science vessel Holy Brothers III was an innocent, dull-looking series of classic fleet boxes clad in grey treated stone, but Grief had no doubt it could swat the Lil Neb like a fly if they got the right set of authorising paperwork. He pulled up and decelerated swiftly, and waited for them to initiate contact. Unauthorised Corsair Vessel the stiff-voiced comms officer announced. Your presence here is in breach of in-system traffic ordinances and Aquilaran Sovereign Treaty. You'd know all about that, Grief muttered, then opened his own comm. Sprinkles couldn't hold him to her say-nothing commandment under these circumstances, could she? Hello, he said. I'm actually a private citizen, not a Corsair, whatever a Corsair is. Although technically I guess you didn't call me a Corsair, it was my ship you insulted. The comms officer cut him off curtly. Power down and prepare to be impounded. I'm shuttling an important passenger to the surface, Grief said optimistically. You are absolutely prohibited from making planetfall in Draki sovereign territory, the Holy Brothers Three told him. Power down. Hmm, Grief said by way of acknowledgement. The Lil Neb gave a soft pinging notification of two more vessels approaching the volume. Small ships, not much larger than the Neb itself, and ascending from the shining arc of Azimandus below. Looks like we have company, he said mildly. The ships were odd, craggy, grey-black things that he recognised, from study, not from personal experience, as Aki Dreadnought's personal cruisers. Cancer design, it was said, and absolutely exclusive to the Akis. They were the unassuming, terrifying little ships the Aki Dreadnought used to fly to and from their ancestral home on the Great Ice, deep in Demarakine territory. Unauthorised Corsair vessel, this is your final warning, the comms officer snapped. Power the communication ended abruptly, and the two Aki Dreadnought ships came up to drift at relative all-stop on either side of the Lil Neb. Grief's computer reported that there was closed whisper conversation going on between the new arrivals and the silent destroyer, although of course it was unable to listen in. After a moment, one of the Aki ships sent him a generic nod. Hello, he said again. Grendel's Grief, an artificial voice he assumed must belong to an Aki Dreadnought, said. Follow us to the surface, please. Um... Grief said, but the ship had already broken contact and both were now performing slow backflips and descending back towards the planet. He re-established comms with the Holy Brothers Three. 
Hey. Very good, private citizen, the comms officer said, sounding just the slightest bit flustered. Proceed to the surface without deviating from your escort's flight path. In a moment, Grief said, I think you owe my ship an apology. Please repeat, private citizen, the unmistakably beleaguered Mulrun said. Did you say your ship wanted an apology? Grief leaned back in his seat. You called my ship an unauthorized Corsair vessel, he said. That's not very nice, but maybe if you apologize, we can put all this behind us. He smiled. I'm sure you'll apologize. I apologize to your ship, the Mulran said in a strangled voice. It is a very well-kept and serviceable private vessel. Grief's smile didn't fade as he broke contact with a deft, squealy flick-through of the whisper spectrum, the comms equivalent of a licked tooth or a raised fuck-you finger, and set out after the Aki ships. They descended into the polar atmosphere, untroubled by further interceptions, although the Lil Neb did register a couple of other orbital and planet-tight systems that took note of their arrival. Grief could only assume that the Yaki Dreadnought had cleared those as well, and that his dreaded Mark of the Fueg would not be a liability. He tried to ignore the possibility that as soon as they had what they wanted, the Yaki Dreadnought might simply turn him over to the authorities. It wasn't likely. If the Dreamer had been telling the truth about the secret history of acts against the great frozen monsters, indeed, they would not do anything as foolish as turning him over to the unhinged Draki leadership of Aquilar. No, they were far more likely to simply turn his brain to Shui and bury him and his ship in a crevasse. Grief stopped trying to reassure himself at this point and focused on the landing. It was largely handled by the Neb anyway, but a landing at a planet's magnetic pole, on ice and in high winds, always carried with it a small element of risk. Fortunately, the pair of Aki ships traced a smooth and proficient descent onto a broad ice shelf that deep scans told him was a couple of thousand feet thick. Grief wondered whether landings on the wild comets of the Great Ice were like this, or if they made the environment of Azimandus look like child's play. They set down in a swirl of steam that was immediately whipped away by the high wind etching the surface of the shelf. Sprinkles was standing at the front of her freezer compartment when Grief made his way back to the hold. Ready to go with your aunties? he asked her brightly. Griak! Sprinkles yapped and buttered at the plating with her furry head. Look, I'm sure you're an ancient and abiding agent of deep socio-political upheaval, Grief said as he opened the refrigerator again. But you're just too fucking precious for words. You know that, right? Sprinkles favoured him with a narrow sideways look as she stumped past him. Two full-grown Akidrenath were waiting at the base of the Lil Neb's boarding ramp by the time Grief and Sprinkles headed down. The temperature was comfortable for the giants to go without freezer suits, and they stood with their grey-white hair streaming in the wind and ice clustered on their massive bulks. Dark jaws and horned toenails stood out against the white. Great curved tusks ringed their jaws like watchtowers, and their small crystal eyes glittered in the ship's lights. One of them tossed a piece of dirty grey ice at Sprinkles, who pounced on it and crunched happily. The other adult, who was wearing blue transcriber sensors in a webbing over her left hand, moved her claws and spoke directly into Grief's personal comline. We were told your food was terrible, but this one has always been fussy. Who, Sprinkles? Grief said. The second adult gave a low bark of what he sincerely hoped was amusement, and Sprinkles gave a high, adorable growl. She was actually a very polite guest. Thank you for bringing her to us, the Aki with the transcriber said. You're welcome, Grief waited expectantly. The second adult turned and loped away towards the two Aki ships, which were only visible in the driving ice crystals as a pair of outlines in Grief's enhanced vision. You have been granted temporary grace from the Mark of the Fueg, the first said. Our loaned goodwill should be enough for you to get out of the system and into the grey, but do not dawdle. She swept her huge right hand across the ice, sending a shower of small shards at the pup. Come, Sprinkles. 
Grief grinned, although he wasn't sure if Sprinkles had heard the transmission. Presumably, she and her associates would be able to discuss it at leisure telepathically. So long, Sprinkles, he said in parting. It's been a baffling and stressful ordeal. He returned to the neb and prepared to lift off. Despite the Akidrednan's admonition, though, something made him hang back for a short time. He crouched and examined the pup's empty enclosure, then frowned and stepped into the still chilly compartment for a closer look. There was something on the rear wall. Not scratched this time. Grown, like feathers of frost that had apparently just happened to occur in the shape of Zid characters. He remembered the weirdos on the Akidrednanth fan network, insisting that the Akis were capable of shaping and even altering the molecular properties of ice, using their minds. This was longer, the strange lines branching out like ribs, but something about it once again reminded him of the code phrases he used for the Lil Neb's navigation computer. Humans cannot be controlled. That is not their purpose. They are ours to protect, not the fleets. Their story cannot be edited and it cannot be told. We are here to keep the children of the infinite safe from their sisters. We are here to keep everyone safe. This was told to us by the Myconet. This was told to us by Malison. This was told to us by the First Maids, by the terrible Father Fire. Grendel's grief frowned at the artful swirl of words for a long time, and made sure his integrated imager took a detailed scan of the symbols before they melted into illegibility. It made little sense to him except insofar as it was a simple fact that predicting and manipulating humans was an exercise in hilarious futility. That was hardly a revelation. The rest of it... Well, Lucky Dreadnought were famed for speaking in riddles. It was a hazard, many said, of living for a functional eternity and trying to communicate with a single lifespan-thin layer of that eternity in a way it was capable of understanding. Grief didn't know about that, but as the message from Sprinkles dissolved, he became keenly aware of the Aki Dreadnought's grace trickling away and the mark of the Fwag resuming its sullen smolder. He hurried to the controls and got the neb into the air. Podcasting service provided by Anchor. Introductory music provided by Anchor. It was called House of Grendel, so I had to use it. You can find all of my books on Amazon under the name Andrew Hindle, and you can find the blog that this whole podcast came from at www.hatboy.blog. Original music composed by Oliver St. John, with a little bit of help from various Strausses. That's it. That's the credits.